Hi everybody, I'm Peter Jacobson, and welcome to Jake's Takes. Yay, 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 yay. I'm so excited to be able to launch my podcast during the U.S. Open Week, which is held at, uh, in my opinion, the greatest golf course in the world, Pebble Beach Golf Links. Pebble Beach is significant to me for many reasons. First of all, when I was growing up in Portland, Oregon, we would take family trips to Pebble Beach. I grew up in a golf family, and my mom and dad, my brother David, my brother Paul, and my sister Susie, we would drive down. We would rent a house in the area in uh, Pacific Grove, and we would play Pebble Beach, try to play it every day. We'd play Spyglass. We'd play Corral de Tierra. We would play everywhere we could on that uh, in that area. And I just fell in love with Pebble Beach back then. And uh, even to this day, it's my favorite course. The reason I love Pebble Beach is you can play it in all kinds of weather. You can play it in warm sunshine. You can play it in warm wind, cold wind. You can play it in rain. I just think it's one of the fairest golf courses we would ever see in the world. Now, I have some favorites around the world. I love Wingfoot. I love love Royal Birkdale in England. I love St. Andrews. And uh, we can certainly talk in in uh, in later shows about the great golf courses around the world. But because it's U.S. Open Week and because it's Pebble Beach, we're going to stay right there. Great memories for me as well as I won the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am there at Pebble Beach playing with the great Jack Lemon. People always remember Jack Lemon is never making the cut at uh, at Pebble Beach. Now, don't forget that like a fifth of the amateurs make the cut at uh, the AT&T. So it's hard. You got to play well to make the cut there. But it was very difficult for Jack because the year I won in 1995, we as a team failed to make the cut. So Jack always, whenever whenever we talked about it, he always just shook his head and uh, and lamented over how poorly he played that week. But another reason that I'm uh, I'm so excited about any time I have a chance to go back to Pebble Beach is that was the first PGA Tour event I ever qualified for in my PGA Tour career. It was in 1977. I got my card in 76, and my wife Jan and I, we left for our our honeymoon. We got married December 28th, and we uh, started out on, on tour together driving. This is a long time ago. This was before... Uh, before private planes, uh, clearly. I didn't even have enough money to fly commercially. But we went down and I failed to Monday qualify. Back then, only only 60 players were exempt. Nowadays, we have the top 125. But back then, Monday qualified and failed at Phoenix, Tucson, and I believe, I believe, uh, gosh, I can't remember what else, but there were three consecutive qualifiers that I missed. I went up to Pebble early, I went out onto the range, and I worked my tail off, and I qualified. I shot a 70 at Old Del Monte, played with Bill Rogers, the great open champion Bill Rogers, in my qualifying round, made it. I went out and uh, played my, my first PGA Tour event at Pebble Beach, and I made the cut, surprisingly enough. And again, back then, when you make a cut you automatically got into the next week. So needless to say, when you made a cut, you played the next week. No no questions asked because if you skipped a tournament, 
you would automatically go back to Monday qualifying, and that was awful. There was that was usually eighty to a hundred guys for anywhere from from one spot to to twenty, just depending on the week, depending on the field, depending on the size of the tournament and the strength of the field that week. But it was uh, it was a difficult time, but but taught me the ropes. And uh, who was I? I was a kid out of Portland, Oregon, with no experience going out with the chance to play professional golf, which was my dream. And uh, that kicked it off for me. So Pebble Beach is special for uh, those reasons I mentioned. And I'm so excited to be launching this podcast uh, during the week of the U.S. Open in advance of the tournament. And there's so many storylines that we should talk about. The first one being Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka, two-time back-to-back U.S. Open champion, Coming into the week, he is just one of seven players to have won back-to-back U.S. Opens, uh, the first since Curtis Strange did it back in 1988 and 89. The other players, Ben Hogan did it in 50 and 51. And then you've got to go all the way back, John McDermott, Ralph Gouldall, the great Bobby Jones, and then all the way back to 1903, 4, and 5, Willie Anderson, I know Nobody remembers Willie Anderson because none of us were alive back then, but Willie Anderson is the only player in the history to win three U.S. Opens in a row, three consecutive U.S. Opens. Ben Hogan did it, but he did it in four years. He missed one of those years because of his uh, his uh, horrific accident that almost almost killed him, but certainly took him out of the game for about a year. But I think Brooks Kepka has as good a chance as any anybody that I've known to win three in a row when I was, uh, Curtis Strange is a good buddy of mine, and back when he was trying to win three in a row in 1990, he talked about the stress. He was in it. He was in it to win three in a row on Sunday, but he really struggled. He said the pressures were just so much, but even Curtis has said that he thinks that Brooks Kepka is is in position to win three in a row because nothing seems to phase Brooks Kepka. It's amazing. The guy is long, he's strong, he's built like a an NBA player, and he just seems to have that attitude, that champion attitude where he plays way beyond the pressure of the moment. Everything everything falls off his back. In fact, when you watched him earlier this year at Beth Page when he won the PGA Championship, he had that big lead all week, and then on Sunday... I think the lead shrunk to one or two, but it didn't phase Brooks, and he just uh, came on strong near the end, and he ended up winning, uh, winning the major championship at Beth Page. So I think Brooks is certainly somebody to watch for the week. The uh, the other storyline that I love going in is about Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson has a chance to complete the career Grand Slam with a win at this U.S. Open, and being a being a California kid, I think Phil has a great chance to do it. Remember, he's finished second in the U.S. Open six times previously. And he'll be the first one to tell you that he is looking to do one last thing in his career, and that's to complete the career Grand Slam. Phil knows Pebble Beach. He's won there before. He loves the golf course. And as I said earlier, I think Pebble Beach is the complete type of golf course that it really doesn't favor any type player. Graham McDowell's not long, but he won the U.S. Open the last time it was played there. Dustin Johnson, he had the lead all week at Pebble at the U.S. Open back in 2010 when, when GMAC won. He's long. He's powerful. 
So I, I don't really think that it favors any player, which is why I think this open is wide open. Players that I like, I like the Englishman Matt Wallace. I love the Irishman Shane Lowry. Again, we can get all kinds of weather at Pebble Beach, and certainly uh, Lowry, the Irishman, can handle all that. Another Irishman we should keep our eyes on this week, Rory McIlroy. What a dominating performance he had last week in winning the RBC Canadian Open. He is always on my big board. He's always one of my top names going into any tournament. If he's clicking on all cylinders, he's unbeatable. He's probably the most talented player in the game today. But as we all know, to win, to beat these great players in the game today, you've got to you've got to have all aspects of your game working. And it was working for him up at the Canadian Open. So keep your eye on Rory. Graham McDowell, the defending champion, I know he is excited about, I shouldn't say defending champion, the last time the Open was there in 2010, he won. I know he's excited about that. Jason Day from Australia, I really like. I like John Rahm, the young player from Spain. I love Xander Schauffele. Schauffele, he's got, he's got everything together. He really he doesn't have any holes in his game. And I love Kevin Kisner, my old caddy. Kevin Kisner caddied for me one time when he was a junior player. Uh, back when I when I was playing in a pro-am and I asked him I said Kevin did I pay you he said pay me you gave me a hundred dollar bill I thought you were the greatest guy in the world until I met you so that's fair enough Dustin Johnson the guy who had a he had a big lead he had a chance to win 2010 U.S. Open right there at Pebble Beach Uh, I think Dustin has a really good chance and you can't forget about Justin Rose Justin Rose is uh, such a such a quality player from tee to green, and he's got a me- great mental makeup. The other guy that we we have to talk about is Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, as we all know, the great comeback story, the redemption story of of certainly uh, the last ten to fifteen years, where Tiger was number one in the game, where he fell to, and now he's back. I think he's number five in the official world golf rankings right now. But he has a great chance to win. He's won at Pebble Beach already. He already won the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach. And I think he's got a chance to do it again. He's a different player. Let's face it. All the surgeries that he's gone through, he's in his 40s now, early 40s. And he's a different player. He drives the ball so much better than he used to. Drives it straighter, hits a little cut off the uh, off the tee. And those fairways at Pebble Beach are going to be so narrow and they're going to be firm, and we all know how small the greens are at Pebble Beach, so it's going to be difficult to hold the greens. But I think with Tiger's high ball flight, the way that he hits iron shots, best player, best iron player in the game, in my opinion, I think Tiger is in it. I think he has a great chance. I would put he and Kepka at the top of my list for the top five. But my dark horse for the week is that California kid played his college golf at UCLA, winner at the Memorial Tournament a couple of weeks ago, Patrick Cantley. I'm proud to say he's one of our Lexus brand ambassadors, and as we all know, Lexus is the official vehicle of the U.S. Open. So we know that, that Patrick's going to arrive in style, but I think his game is such that he has a chance to win his first major championship right here at Pebble Beach. So let me know what you think about these guys or if you have your own predictions. Send them to me at jakestakespodcast at gmail.com. We can discuss who was right and who was wrong next week. But first, we're going to catch up with one of my longtime friends, the 1987 U.S. Open champion, 
Scott Simpson, who's now living in Hawaii. He's a California kid. He knows a lot about Pebble Beach. So we're going to discuss that. Then I'm reaching back into the vault to recall some stories from the set of the Hollywood movie Tin Cup, where I, yes, I won the U.S. Open. Yep, it's U.S. Open week, and I'm so excited to be here at my favorite golf course in the world, Pebble Beach. And another thing I'm excited about is my 30-year association with Lexus, a company that has been such a longtime supporter of the game of golf. Lexus is now in its 13th year as the official vehicle of the United States Golf Association. Now, Pebble's tough, and the players may not drive it in all the fairways this week, but they will be driving to and from the course in comfort and style in their beautiful Lexus automobile. No, I don't want you to be nervous. Uh, This is my first guest on the Jake's Takes podcast. Great friend of mine, great champion on the PGA Tour and the Champions Tour, 1987 U.S. Open champion at Olympic Club, the great Scott Simpson. Scott, welcome to Jake's Takes podcast. Well, thanks, Peter. Great to be here. Um, I don't think I deserve that introduction, but, <laughs> no. we'll, but we'll take it. <laughs> you do. Uh, just to let everybody know, Scott and I, we did a lot of things in our PGA Tour careers, mostly travel to rock and roll shows. You and I are both big rock and roll fans, and uh, we, we, we took in our, a few shows in our day. I know. I, I'll never forget going the wrong way and getting there late for the uh, police concert, but, you know... I messed up then. I'm probably still messing up. No, no. Well, we're all messing up, but um, I would drive. I think we drove at least an hour to watch the police, and yep. it was a it was a trip well worth it. All right, so you won the U.S. Open back in 87 at the incredible Olympic Club in San Francisco. Take us back and tell us what you remember, a couple of the shots and a couple of the memories from that win. Uh, I remember actually being... Um, one of the things that was important for me that week was I was getting frustrated the week before and knowing I was coming to California. I was playing well because I'd already won that, that year already in Greensboro. And we had our Bible study, and uh, Larry Moody, who leads his Bible study, said, Scott, how you doing? I said, not very good. I'm frustrated. I'm not playing that great. And he goes, oh, lucky for you. Our Bible study's on contentment this week. <laughs> <laughs> and so... It really did change my attitude where I just was freed up to just um, kind of got my priorities back in order and just went out there and thankful to be in the U.S. Open. You know, I get to play an Olympic club and just kind of changed everything instead of putting so much pressure on myself and just went out there and whatever's going to happen, happen and just go play my game and played good. And um, I mean, the, the things I remember most are coming down the end, being right in contention you know, looking like even Parr might actually win the tournament. And um, I birdied uh, 14, 15, and 16. Whoa. To go three under. And I say, oh, my gosh, I might actually win this thing. <laughs> and, I, and I was, because I, I was trying to do everything just kind of, for me, you know, with my faith, kind of trying to please Christ. If you, if you just have a good attitude when you do things and just try to play my game. So I was trying not to look at leaderboards, but, you know, I had to look at leaderboard. I'm three under par. Of course. So look up there, and here I'm three under. Watson's two under. Everyone else is over par. 
And look back in the fairway at 16. There's Watson right in the middle with a wedge to the green. I thought, oh boy, there's still a lot of golf to go. <laughs> and uh, made the up and down uh, out of a bunker on 17. Made an eight footer. Made a lot of good putts coming in. Man, I putted good. And uh, played it kind of safe on 18. I remember being really nervous on that tee and really trusting my routine. Just, you know, you just kind of have to hit that fairway and hit it down the fairway and hit an eight iron on the green and two putted and then watched uh, Tom come up short on the last hole with his iron shot. I've never asked him whether it was the wind or the... Or he, he's, or the he's fact judged. You, or the fact you were you were ahead of him. Yeah, he was probably nervous since I was ahead of him. Yeah, but he had like this forty footer, and I thought, "There's no way. I think I won the U.S. Open." And sure enough, he hits this putt, and six feet short, it looks perfect, and it misses by like an inch right in front of the hole. And uh, yes, yeah, so I remember that. No, that was pe- pretty pretty amazing. People always ask when a player wins, especially a major, what did you do differently and. I always try to run through my brain. Basically, it's making putts. As you just said, you made a bunch of putts last week. Yeah, I did. Um, what are the, yeah, it's, you know, it's just golf. Um, Saturday, I played really good, and I didn't make any putts. And so I went out that night, you know, because you get done late in the U.S. Open rounds. And I must have putted for an hour because I kept leaving them just a little short and just really making sure I stroked through the putt. And then came out Sunday and um, made like a 20-footer on the first hole. Gets your confidence going. And then I missed, uh, you know, I made three bogeys, I think, early on in the front nine. But I was hitting good putts, you know. And then I was, and I tell kids all, that, all the time, too, if you're lipping out putts, you're in a good putt. So just trust your stroke, you know, keep your confidence up. And sure enough, made some on the back nine. Now, you and I both won the U.S. Open. We both have that on our resume. You beat Tom Watson at the Olympic Club, and I actually beat Kevin Costner and Don Johnson to win my U.S. Open in the movie Tin Cup. Uh, now, I don't know which is a better win. Do you think beating Tom Watson is a better win on the resume? Well, I mean, he might have a little bit better record, but, you know, Tin Cup, he had it there, and he was definitely the crowd favorite. So for you to overcome... <laughs> The crowd favorite and the uh, Roy McAvoy story. Roy <laughs> McAvoy, the guy was legendary, and but I have to say it was the easiest win of my career. I just had to beat had to beat two twelve handicappers, and in the movie only I had to hit one shot, so I didn't didn't have to work as hard for that open as you would. You had the senior open. Come on. Okay, well we'll, yeah, we'll I mean, go with that. Well, this week is the U.S. <laughs> open at Pebble Beach, and. You're a California kid. You've played so many rounds of golf at Pebble Beach. What, what do you think of Pebble Beach as a U.S. Open venue? I love Pebble Beach. Um, first time I ever played there, we, we used to play our state amateur there. So qualifying there, like 15 and 16 years old. And we'd go up, and back then you would qualify at Cypress and Pebble and then play all your matches at Pebble. And back then you could even sneak on Pebble. Really? So we'd go. Oh, yeah, you could go out <laughs> to the sixth anymore. hole. No, they'd probably... Uh, Come with machine guns or something. <laughs> I don't know what they do. Jeez, you're sneaking on and avoiding our $800 <laughs> green fee. What are you thinking? But, um, yeah, I, yeah, I love it. It's, it's, it. it's different because the greens are so small. You know, you really have to hit good iron shots. And when they get firm, I mean, it can play really tough. So do you think whoever wins the Open this week 
at Pebble will be will need great driving or great iron play. Yeah. Uh, both? Yeah, I think probably. so. Probably. <laughs> well, as you know, they've uh, but, uh, the Arnold Palmer Company is the design company. They've really narrowed the fairways. Right. Because you play every year at the uh, Pure Insurance uh, Champions Tour event. Yeah. And, but, but the greens haven't gotten any bigger. They're small, and they're going to be hard and fast and tilty. So right. you got to drive it straight. You have to hit good irons, I and your short so. game has to be spot on. Yep. Yeah, I think so. I think, And that's what you want from a U.S. Open. You know, and in the old days, you had to drive it well. Now, you know, a lot of guys will be hitting irons off the tees. And, gosh, I remember last time watching Dustin Johnson hitting an iron to the fourth hole for, like, hitting the green. Yeah, wasn't that incredible? I remember that. I remember that. I was <laughs> yeah. doing, I was on the broadcast team with NBC back in 2010, and the players were routinely driving it Trying up there on the, the fourth green. green. Yeah, yeah, the fourth green, at least in the bunker. Yeah, so it'll play different, but they've added some tees and, They'll have to hit a few drivers, I think. But, um, yeah, mostly just keep it in play, and you got to hit good irons. And, and like you said, chipping and putt good. I think, just selfishly speaking, if you were to put a rotation through the USGA for the U.S. Open, Pebble would definitely be one of the courses, in my mind. I'd put Oakmont. I'd put Wingfoot in there. Yeah. There are just so many great golf courses. Torrey Pines, you could go east, west, yep. east, west. I'd hate to... I'd hate to bypass the Midwest because uh, there are some great golf courses in the Midwest, but there are. Pebble is certainly one of the great venues in the world. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, yeah, everyone loves the Masters, of course, because of the tradition and stuff. But you know, they always play the same course. You know, boring already. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, but when you win, you get that cool jacket and you get invited back every year. I know, I know. <laughs> it's always the same cast of characters. So, U.S. Open, you know, you can have, you can have Tin Cup. You can have, you can have Roy McAvoy. All right, give me, give me a pick, give me a couple of names for us to keep an eye on at uh, Pebble this week. Well, you have to say that Tiger kid is, you know, playing pretty decent again. Uh, I'd say so. You know, he's. I love the fact that it looks like he's having fun again. You know, enjoying playing golf and. and I also think, I mean, he's just swinging better, too. I mean, he's right up and down on plane. I thought, even going to the Masters, I thought, geez, you know, he's, he's really swinging good. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty impressive. What about, you mentioned Dustin Johnson. Do you think he wants to get a little revenge from what happened in 2010? Oh, yeah. Yeah, from, yeah, he really, he really kind of basically gagged that one away. Well, it was, <laughs> last yeah. It was, it was. Wow, it was bizarre to watch his start there. It goes to show you that in any tournament, especially a major, and you mentioned it when you won, if you get up to a good, solid start, make a couple of putts, maybe even just make a few pars to get comfortable with your round, then that that can lead to success. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Dustin Johnson's a whole different player from when he was back then. I mean, he he would never do what he did back then. He got, I think he just got out of his element and you know when things didn't go right he just was rushing and you know hitting crazy shots I don't think he would do that now I mean now he stays so even keel that um, you know he's turned into a great major player yeah he really has all right give us an update on where you are now we stay in pretty close contact but tell our uh, listeners you're in Hawaii now and you're in Hawaii you're in Hawaii and you're teaching a little bit more I am uh, teaching a lot of kids. Uh, I'm on Oahu, uh, teaching mid-pack and Hawakalei and 
Um, just teaching a lot of kids. David Ishii teaches, has taught a lot of the kids over there for a long time. And a lot of the best kids. But he teaches like these one hour. He's teaching in this studio. And a lot of the kids say, you know, we want to get out and do short game. We want to go out on the course and course management and stuff. And he goes, well, I don't go on the course. So call Simpson. Because so, <laughs> <laughs> David and I have been uh, friends, you know, uh, since almost junior golf day. So um, it's been really fun just working with a lot of the kids he works with. And uh, it just, it's been really fun working with the kids. So if you get to Oahu, call Scott Simpson for a lesson from the first tee to the 18th green, not just hitting <laughs> yeah. balls on the range. Scott, thanks well, for joining us. Appreciate your time. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this week at Pebble Beach. You bet, Peter. And uh, it'll be fun to listen to your uh, future podcasts. Well, you're my first guest. And thank you. <laughs> for being the initial guy and suffering through our first interview. Thank you. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm not so nervous now. The last time I was at Pebble Beach for a U.S. Open was in 2010 with NBC Sports. That week, we all watched my fellow Strixon brand ambassador, Graham McDowell, win and become the first European player to win the U.S. Open since Tony Jacklin did it back in 1970. Graham and I play the same set of Strixon irons and the Strixon Z-Star ball, although I play the yellow version. I only play a ball that matches the color of my teeth. And earlier this year, Graham put the new Strixon Z-785 driver into his bag. And then just a few months later, what did he do? He went out and won the Corrales Punta Cana Resort and Club Championship in the Dominican Republic. So keep your eye on Graham McDowell this week. He's playing great. He's got a lot of confidence, and he's got that experience needed to win here at Pebble Beach. He did it back in 2010. Maybe he can do it again this year. Well, since it is U.S. Open week, I want to go back, way back to 1996, talk a little bit about the year I won the U.S. Open. Yep, I did. Unfortunately, it was in the movie Tin Cup, so it doesn't count, but it was a lot of fun. Little known fact. All I had to do was hit one shot on camera, beat two 12 handicappers, Don Johnson and Kevin Costner, and yeah, I won the U.S. Open. USGA doesn't recognize it. They don't give me any any credit for it, but I understand. I understand completely. All joking aside, it was such a fun thing to be involved with. Uh, John Norville, who was the co-writer of Tin Cup, He's a friend of mine from Portland. He asked me to get involved as uh, they asked a bunch of PGA Tour players. It was directed by Ron Shelton, the great director who also directed Bull Durham and White Men Can't Jump, among other great films. But they invited tour players to come be a part of the movie because they wanted to make it authentic. They wanted to be like Kevin Costner or Roy McAvoy was actually playing in the U.S. Open. And it was an awesome picture. I really enjoyed it. They they asked Fred Couples, Craig Stadler, John Cook, Corey Pavin, Tommy Armour III, Bruce Litsky, Jerry Pate to be in the in the picture. And it, it was one of those surreal things that you do that you don't really understand what being an actor is until you actually get into a movie. There is so much standing around and waiting that I wouldn't trade that for being a PGA Tour player for anything. Don Johnson and Kevin Costner were awesome to be with, awesome to work with, but we did sit around and wait, and they would have to shoot over and over and over again. In fact, 
one day I was sitting in my hotel room and I had my call, which is when you're supposed to be picked up at the hotel and taken to the movie set to shoot a scene. My call was for eight o'clock in the morning and I was all excited. I was going to win the U.S. Open and, and, uh, be crowned the champion, hang out with Kevin Costner and Don Johnson and all these cool tour players. Well, I got a call just before eight and they said, yeah, your call's been pushed back to 12. So I took my shoes off, went back to watching TV, hanging out. Got closer to 12. I had some lunch. I got a call. They said, your call time has been pushed back to 3.30. Well, I thought, this is a bummer. I've been sitting around my hotel all day watching Bewitched reruns and got ready for 3.30. Well, I got a call later that said, your day has been scrubbed. We don't need you. Production has been going kind of slow. Our shooting schedule's off. So thanks. You have you have a call tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Well, this went on for a couple of days, and they shot in Arizona, and they shot in, in Houston. I did my part in Houston. So there are a lot of us hanging around, just just understanding that being a PGA Tour player is nothing like being an actor. In fact, one part, one scene that, that did get into the picture was I was putting on the green about uh, it's a par three. I'd hit it on the green, and the producer came up or one of the assistant producers came up and said you have a 30 foot putt here up over a rise we want you to make this putt turn around and point back at Kevin Costner who's in the group behind us and I said well I never would do that I I never would make a long putt and point back like I'm challenging you I I would never do that but they said hey (laughs) this is not real life this is a movie so I said okay you want me to putt from here? I'm 30 feet uphill, breaking left. You want me to make it? How many times do I get a chance to do this? They said, oh, you know, a couple chances and then knock it in and we'll move on. We have a we have a long day today. And I said, look, if I could make this 30-footer on cue, I would be the – I'd win every major championship and every tournament I played in. You can't just make a 30-footer on cue. And they said, give it a chance. So I hit it 10, 12, 15 times didn't make one of them and I said could I move up to a range that I could probably make consistently so they finally agreed I moved up to five or six feet hit a few practice putts found a putt that I could make consistently and I knocked it in so I did it I knocked it in turned around pointed back at Costner uh felt like an idiot but it made it in the picture and uh, so that was so much fun but again I realized right then it's not real golf it's a movie Well, that's all the time we have for this week's Jake's Takes podcast, my very first one. Thanks for being with us. I'm your host, Peter Jacobson, and these have been my takes. What are yours?